Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambutasa. Bhutang Dhammang Sankang Namasami. So, do, can you hear me? Is that okay. So, the last evening um, of our retreat, and the theme of the retreat was on, on refuge. And I think we have, you know, been mentioning that, uh, you know, refuge, taking the three refuges is um, you know, a skillful means to steady our intention, to walk the, the path of the Buddha's teaching, which is called like the Noble Eightfold Path or the Middle Way. And you know, while we're walking this path, we, you know, we are developing wisdom and compassion that would be the result of walking the path you know, correctly. And... You know, in the scriptures, the path is divided up into three parts. The, the first one is sila or, or ethics, and this is the foundation of the path. And, you know, we've all taken the eight precepts, and tomorrow we're going to offer you the five precepts, you know, as a, as a foundation when you go away from here. And then the second part is samadhi or, you know, the still mind, the non-wavering mind, and I've spoken about that yesterday. And the third part is, is wisdom, or panya in Pali, and I'd like to speak about that a little bit tonight, about wisdom. And I think what I always start to, uh, would like to say first is, you know, that wisdom, it's not a body of knowledge you can learn from books or you know, learning a difficult text or anything like that. But wisdom is, is more like a, an aptitude or a faculty, like intelligence, for example, you know, which we can uh, apply to our experience, to our life experience. And through applying wisdom, you know, we, our suffering will become less and less. And at the same time, you know, through really fully attending to our experience, wisdom is the result of it. So it informs, you know, our life and makes our life more in alignment with the laws of nature. And because of that, there's less stress and less suffering. And at the same time, you know, through really giving ourselves fully to our experience directly, you know, being in relationship to our experience, that's how wisdom is cultivated. And the word in Pali for wisdom is panya and consists of two parts. And, and, you know, if we translate that literally, it means something like before knowledge. Nya is knowledge and pa means something like before. So that means, you know, before we project past onto the present, this is where wisdom can come from. You know, if we are able to keep the mind open and allow, 
you know, life to speak for itself, so to say. If we don't project labels and then, you know, get lost in uh, habitual ways of thinking about our experience rather than really being fully with the experience. And, you know, those habitual patterns which keeps us caught in the past and repeating over and over again the same thing. And, you know, the meditation is, is, those, is the practice, is the technology helping us, you know, to abstain from that and keep open, you know, not uh, deciding is this good or bad, but rather letting it be what it is and letting it uh, inform us. And that's, of course, not, not, not a simple thing to do. And there are so many different practices, you know, helping us with that. And the four foundations of mindfulness, you know, are, are the framework within which wisdom can be uh, developed by, you know, getting in touch with uh, our experience in this way. We can, you know, make some space and you know, step out of habitually, you know, getting caught up in our, you know, deluded uh, outlook onto life. And, you know, that's what ignorance is all about. Now, this web of delusion through which we experience our life and then, you know, we are mistaking, for example, a, a for example, walking in the forest, you know, and uh, that happened to me recently, you know, walking in the forest, looking on the forest floor and mistaking a, a root of a tree for a snake, for example. And then there's this kind of fearful, you know, reaction. And then when you're looking again, suddenly it's, you know, the fear has been creating a... a a fantasy, really. And then looking and seeing, oh, it's something completely different. And, you know, that's a very good example, you know, what we are actually doing constantly. You know, our emotions uh, prevent us from seeing clearly. And, you know, through, you know, um, cultivating mindfulness, in the beginning, you know, the practice starts with deliberately you know, setting up mindfulness. And, you know, in the beginning, the practice is kind of quite clunky. You know, we have to really kind of stop and, you know, slow down and do everything extremely slowly, extremely controlled in order to get a hang of what, what mindfulness is all about. But then, you know, if we keep on uh, practicing mindfulness, it becomes more and more integrated and then mindfulness becomes awareness. So something, you know, we don't have to deliberately set up anymore, but it, it's more and more, you know, permeating our life. And, and uh, you know, instead of having to be constantly aware of what we are doing, we are becoming more and more aware of how we are meeting our experience. And this is, you know, where the transformation lies, because it's not so important, you know, what we are meeting, but it's much more important how we are meeting it. Because through the how, we are creating the what, really. So, for example, you know, 
looking in a fearful way at a, at a root on the forest floor, it becomes a snake. And therefore, you know, the how is much more important than the what. And that's something, you know, which needs a really good training because that's not how the mind naturally would would work if it isn't kind of introduced to this teaching. And, uh, you know, you could say that the Noble Eightfold Path or the Middle Way is all about uh, in the service of uh, cultivating awareness, you know, from mindfulness slowly kind of becoming more and more encompassing our whole uh, being. And, you know, I've brought a little uh, piece from the scriptures, from the Samyutta Nikaya, and it speaks about how to develop wisdom. And it says, these four things, when developed and practiced a lot, incline towards the growth of wisdom. And, you know, and growth of wisdom points out, you know, that wisdom is a natural phenomenon. And if we put the right causes and conditions in place, it's just going to grow like a flower. So it's not, you know, something uh, we have to kind of uh, add but it's, it's more something we have to lay bare again, you know, by adding mindfulness and awareness to our experience, not by changing the experience, but by deepening it through adding mindfulness and awareness. And then the wisdom will just kind of, that's what's called the font of wisdom. It, through seeing, you know, clearly what's going on, wisdom is just coming out like this. We don't have to you know, go out and get it from somewhere. So, you know, by staying in the middle, by centering the mind through following the Noble Eightfold Path, wisdom is the result of that. So, and the first factor which supports that is the association with good people. So, you know, spending time with people who kind of encourage good qualities in ourselves rather than unskillful qualities and you know people who help us to, to trust in our own capacity for for walking this path help us to develop faith you know are good examples and uh, also you know reflecting on the life stories of of teachers like the buddha for example or other great teachers you know who've gone before us and who has have maybe had you know hardships to bear and, and they could do it and that can be an inspiration you know when you yourself are going through difficult phases or speaking just with a friend you know who is also a practitioner can really help us to you know take heart and 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 not give up and you know this kind of this quality of of not collapsing but just keep on going that's, you know, a very important quality on the path. It's called patient perseverance. And it's, you know, considered the m most important quality to develop. It's not like heroic effort necessarily, but it's like patient perseverance. You know, keep on walking one step at a time. And, 
opening and opening and opening again and again to whatever life throws us, you know. As I said over the days, last days, you know, speaking about the gold dust, which is taking us back to the gold. And our life experience is the gold dust, you know, whatever comes up, if you, if you kind of let that experience inform you, it will show you the way. And we don't have to go out and, and looking for anything special. Whatever happens right now is the, is, the, is the right thing to work with, you know. And nothing is too small and nothing is unimportant. Everything, you know, can teach us. Everything can teach us about the three characteristics, you know, about impermanence, uns unsatisfactoriness, and uh, not-self of all phenomena, small phenomena, big phenomena, everything can teach us. And that's what is meant with, you know, uh, walking the path. Simply, whatever is in front of your nose, you know, that's, that's the teacher. And... Sometimes we need the help of, of good friends to remind us. And, you know, it's a very important support on the path. We, without good friends or without a Sangha, it's not possible to do this. It's too hard. And second uh, support for the growth of wisdom is hearing the true teaching. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, that the Buddha's teaching is the only true teaching, but it just means hearing a teaching which is accurate and authentic, you know, which isn't watered down in order to make it interesting for people, but it's, it's really the, the complete teaching, not just like a part of it, you know. And in, in the Buddha's teaching, for example, people nowadays, you know, are interested very much in, in uh, meditation practice, and uh, but they're not not interested in in ethics very much, you know. That often is ex not kind of uh, given at the same time because people might not want it because it looks like a lot of work ethics. <laughs> <laughs> but it really doesn't work without that, you know. This is a really uh, it's it's kind of. Uh, how to say, it's, it's, it's kind of foolish you know, to think that you can't get anywhere with the meditation if you not keep the five precepts. And that doesn't mean, you know, that we can't make mistakes, but then at least, you know, noticing the mistake and being honest with oneself and start again, you know. But if one doesn't have the intention to kind of deepen one's commitment, you know, to the five precepts, then... It, it just doesn't really uh, take off, you know. It doesn't. It, it still, you know, you'll still can develop surely skills, you know. But it's never gonna fly, really. So that's the maybe you know some people don't like to hear that, but that's I have no doubt about that. Yeah. So that's what, what's meant with the authentic and accurate teaching, that it's not uh, watered down and that there is a, a respect, you know, for the, for the details of the teaching, that 
you know, that one can't just kind of only pick out the, pi- the bits which are interesting, you know, the psychic powers and, and all of the sparkly things, you know, and leave the difficult things behind that doesn't work. And the next one is, is um, careful attention. And careful attention means, you know, that we bring the teaching, what we are hearing and what we understand, to bring it back in our lived experience. So to make it, you know, to really bring it back to our life, not just like sitting on the cushion and practicing, you know, in the shrine room and in the in spirit rock or wherever, but then when we go out, forgetting about it, you know, and not not uh, letting our life be informed by the teaching, that doesn't work either. Because, you know, that means, number one, that we haven't understood anything, because if we don't feel an urge, you know, to integrate it, then it hasn't really, you know, come down from the head into the heart, which means we haven't understood and also, if we don't do that, you know, then our life won't take on, like, st- the strength, you know, from the teaching which, which it can give. And so, therefore, that's really important to bring it into our life and see, you know, what it does with our life. And through that... Uh, you know, it just it becomes more and more part of who we are. If we don't integrate it, if we don't act on it, then again, you know, we, it, it, we, we really don't take the full advantage of, of it. And that, you know, that means, you know, that sometimes we have to, for example, say goodbye to certain people who, you know, who kind of, you know, suddenly, you know, it turns out that certain people, if you don't meet them under the influence of drink and drug, you don't know what to speak with them, you know. <laughs> For example, and then, you know, you have, might have to say, you know, certain things and, and say goodbye, for example. And if you, don't do, if you don't have the courage to do that, then that's... I mean, I, I think you know yourself what, <laughs> that this just doesn't work, you know. So to really kind of take the teaching to heart and, and uh, act on it, that's really important too. Because then, you know, it, it, it becomes increasingly more potent. If we don't do that, we, it's not happening. And the fourth one, the last one, Practicing the teaching in accordance with the teaching. And that means, um, you know, that uh, the teaching, there's the theory of, of the teaching and then the practice of the teaching. And they have to, you know, they have to work together. It's, it's a similar point as the point I spoke before. But it's more like, you know, understanding that the, the teaching is like a prescription. You know, when you go to the doctor and you have some illness, the doctor gives you a prescription. If you just look at the prescription and don't take it, you're not going to be healed, you know. So that's, it's about that. And especially, you know, the early, the early teaching of the Buddha, uh, early Buddhism and the Theravada school is very much based on that, you know. It's a, the teaching is prescriptive, it's not 
descriptive. It gives you different methods for you to apply in order to understand you know, the way things are. It doesn't tell you what it is, but it gives you methods, you know, how you can find out for yourself. So if it's not applied, it won't yield, you know, the fruit it can yield. And, and for that, you know, we need uh, a foundation of, of uh, ethics and we need a certain stillness of mind. And, and then through that, you know, we deepen our experience and then, you know, it starts to work. And and you know, and, and then uh, this kind of um, you know result which we can have through practicing in that way. Then we also need another ingredient which is called faith, because then you know the wisdom which we can glimpse through the practice, then, you know, to really have the courage to act on it needs a certain amount of faith, you know, to really, you know, you know, have seen it, but then when it comes to, in really difficult situations, to really trust it, it can be difficult, you know, so we need friends who help us, you know, to access that, that faith, because, for example, if they have, you know, gone through a similar situation before us, they can reassure us, you know, yes, you can, you can uh, act in this way and then really, really do it, you know, and allow the wisdom to kind of uh, ripple through your life and change you. If you don't take a risk, you know, to act on it without having 100% reassurance that it's going to all work out, you're never going to get that... Uh, momentum going, you know, so it's really important to, you know, get, get support for living what you have seen in your practice. And, you know, to go, for example, through a, through a regular sitting group or, you know, meditation, take meditation instructions or listen to talks is really very important to you know, to have enough weight to kind of, we, we, you know, maybe we have seen by cutting through, you know, delusion sometimes, we have seen something, you know, but then we, we need like additional weight to really kind of do it in difficult situations as well. And then if we have done that for a few times, you know, our, our faith in the practice just starts to become stronger and stronger and becomes easier and easier. It's really like learning any skill, you know, learning an instrument. It sounds, you know, in the beginning it, it looks like impossible that we're ever going to be able to get something, you know, pleasant out of that experience. But through practice we can. And, and meditation and the practice is, is just a, a skill, you know, which can be learned by putting in the time and, uh, you know, setting the causes and conditions in place and, you know, letting go of some unskillful things. And uh, it's not a rocket science, really. And I, I very much, I like the, uh, there's a very nice quote of uh, Trungpa Rinpoche. He says, it's not like talk, uh, it's not like, 
teaching enlightenment is not like teaching a tree to talk or having a heart transplant, you know. It's not that hard. <laughs> but so it's possible, you know, to teach a, a tree to talk, that would be a kind of a hopeless undertaking. <laughs> but to kind of apply the teaching is not hopeless. It can be done. Even it looks very difficult. So, yeah. Let's see if there's something else I want to say. Yeah, maybe a little bit about, you know, the intensity of the transformation process. Because, you know, if we really have that... Um, you have the courage, you know, to not pin everything down when it gets hard, you know, when it gets difficult, to really be able, you know, to, to keep an open mind and uh, be in the, you know, the heat of the transformation process. I'm sure, you know, you know what I'm speaking about. You know, that heat and the fire of it, you know. It, the fire of it can shine a light, you know, on, on our own areas, you know, where, we, where there is still a lot of work to be done. That's number one, the light it shines. And the wisdom is very often compared with the light also in the scriptures. And then also, you know, through that kind of heat, you know, we are getting cooked soft. You know, our, all our edges and things start to kind of, you know, get softer and softer. And then, you know, when the heat cools down, slowly but surely, you know, then the warmth of compassion also is there for us, you know, and it's, it's like a healing which can occur, you know, if we can kind of stand through that heat first. And, you know, then it's the same, you know, if you're cooking a meal, as long as you just keep on stirring and you just don't, you know, uh, relinquish what's going on here, but you just let it and attend to it. You know, it's going to become a nourishing meal and, and it's going to kind of uh, give you what you need in order to benefit from anything what's happening in your life. And, you know, and then every uh, difficulty can become an opportunity and doesn't have to, uh, you know, be um, a repetition of, of, of the past. It can just yield something completely different if, you know, we give it that, that chance. And, you know, for that we need, you know, the, the willingness, you know, to, to go through that transformation process and have have, you know, a, a strong container and, you know, and the practice, you know, if it's based on, on sila and, you know, if we have good friends, then, you know, that, that's a really strong container which can hold a lot of turmoil because that's how it sometimes, you know, is in the practice. And, you know, and having a strong container and having a clear foundation and a clear direction, you know, and having the refugees, that's what we need in order to be able to hold steady enough, you know, to, 
stay in the middle, you know, without prematurely pinning it all down and saying it's bad or, you know, it's, I don't want this. And all of those different ways how we, you know, try to keep uh, experience at arm length and then because we don't learn much from that, you know, we are repeating it again and again. So it's... um, It's a very, you know, powerful practice which, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, require like a lot of intellectual, you know, understanding, but it, it requires like, you know, having a, having a good enough blueprint of a map and then really... Uh, putting it into practice and you know and putting and being willing you know to put one's uh, views and opinions about the way things are you know on the line and and let it uh, you know let it let uh, life speak for itself rather than thinking you know what that experience is gonna be and uh, and I hope that when you go home tomorrow that you can remember some of what we have been sharing over these uh, few days and you know that you're gonna be able to benefit from the teachings and it's a great you know pleasure for us to be able to share with you what we have learned over the years and that you will have uh, what you are looking for which is probably, you know, contentment and uh, peace, because that's what everybody is looking for. And my name, Santa Chita, means peaceful heart, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like, for me, it's, it's a working theme for my life, because um, it looks like Archon Tomato was picking up you know, that I need to develop that, I guess, because we always get a name, you know, which is kind of a bit embarrassing, you know, if you look at it, because it, it gives you like a, a hint where you need to look. Yes. Yeah. I think that's all what I wanted to say tonight. Handamayang tamagataya sadhukarang tadamase Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu anumadami.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.